look, I'm going to be honest. There's never a perfect time to do something. But if you live in the Midwest, like I do, you're coming 20 some odd inches of snow. It's negative five degrees. And your neighborhood looks like a scene from Frozen. And this might be the best time to apply and win a Shorty Award. Go to shortyawards.com to apply for the 16th annual Shorty Awards. Deadline is February 8th. Welcome to It's No Fluke, where nothing happens by accident, and every creator's journey is way more impactful than the destination. Cyrene Kiamko, better known as Cyrene Q, is a Filipino-American social media artist, influencer, author, and augmented reality lens creator. She gained recognition for her artistic creations on Snapchat, with her award-winning work being featured in notable publications such as Forbes, Fast Company, Business Insider, and more. And that's just the beginning. Cyrene Q is at the forefront of not only creating content, but developing AR for platforms to make the platforms themselves better. The biggest brands in the world turn to her when they have their biggest ideas, and she finds a way to make them reality. But intended that collaboration, that expertise, that creativity to make literal dreams come true, which makes her a true one of one in the industry, well, it's no fluke. Um, for anybody who doesn't know the really cool origin story of your career. And then I really just want to dig really, really deep into the weeds on AR with you. Okay, let's start. Do I just uh, try to go back in time and try to remember everything that I've been? <laughs> well, I think what's what's fascinating is there's the, the, there are a lot of creators, yeah. right? I'll give you kind of the template. But there are mm-hmm. a lot of creators who um, just go for it and don't have something that they, they're already doing. You you were established as a designer. You you just gravitated towards Snapchat because you found a lane and it was advantageous. I mean, that's probably the oversimplification of it, but I still think it's fascinating to a lot of people who are, you know, who exist on that fence of like, should I go for it or not? Yeah. I mean, I always knew that I was going to be an artist ever since I was young. Um, well, I had other you know, aspirations, like I thought I was going to be um, this really big realtor, a scientist, but then I knew that I enjoyed and I I enjoyed art. Um, And so ever since I was little, I was doing art, I was winning art contests. And then eventually, you know, I went to college and I took, I had four different art majors. I had painting, ceramics, graphic design, and digital graphics. So I knew that art was going to be my career. And I like all the different mediums. So I think it was natural for me to take on social media and digital and use that as my art vehicle. Yeah. And when, when did Snapchat happen? How, and when did you kind of know, okay, this is big. Well, I know that Snapchat, I think it gave me a vehicle where I could just take pictures of the outside world, like anything. I could take a selfie, I could take a picture of the environment, and I can easily draw on top of it. And um, I know the tools that they had before were just kind of like Microsoft Paint. <laughs> That's how simple <laughs> everything was. But I liked it because it made it easy for me to put art on just things that I see. And I think that's yeah. why I gravitated towards it. Well, because you were able to innovate inside the platform too, and then eventually more so. And I think that's what I've noticed the most about your career is that you you actually make the product better too, <laughs> not just the content. Yeah, I think when I first started, Snapchat was just a messaging app. People didn't even know what it was, but then it was me and maybe a group of other artists that just um, used the app in a completely different way. And with that way, 
we went viral. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that part of where the virality is, is that Snapchat um, was a disappearing app. But what I did was created a blog, um, a website called the 11 second, because before mm-hmm. uh, Snapchats only lasted for 10 seconds. And if you screenshot them or save them, they become the 11 second. And so I posted yep. it there and I didn't know that that blog was going to get traction and people were seeing mine and other artists artworks. And that's basically how most of the things went viral. <laughs> yeah. So was there like just this moment where you create content, you're like, yeah, I love this. And then all of a sudden people are like, yes, we are going to, here's a brand deal. Here's an interview. Did it just kind of all come in a wave or was it inconsistent? Yeah. I think at the beginning it was, you know, just a dab. It was um, one or two brands going and then after that one or two brands, whenever you got that in your portfolio, and then that itself went viral, because whenever you do something in a very new app, people are going to think this is news. And so um, working with some of the first brands that got into Snapchat, I got a lot of publicity from it. And I think that started off and everything just started to snowball. And a lot of brands are interested in it. So it's like, oh, okay, there's this new social media that we have to be in. Who are the creators for the social media? And I was one of the first creators. And I think I got lucky, very lucky that way. What? Okay. But I mean, yes, yes, no. Timing, timing is, timing is absolutely everything. Like, I think you, you very much make your own luck. Um, because if you don't have the design talent or, you know, the idea to take that to a blog and do the 11 second, that doesn't happen. But yes, timing is very important, right? Because the tool, the tool matched what your skill set was and you matched that very well. And I thought that, that went, but when you said dying medium, that did make me think like, you can't stay on one platform forever. You have to continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably that's that's the transition. I will, if, if, for anyone who does not know, like you've you've won Snapchatter of the Year. I think you were nominated for Snapchatter of the Year with Shorty Awards. Like you are the Snapchatter. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> but you really were the one of the first people that were really defined on that platform you know, as being like a specific Snapchat creator. I mean, like, and now obviously we're not defining you as such now, but it was, you really did carve out a completely different lane there. Um, But when you say, you know, Diamondium, like, yes, you know, like I am not an influencer on Vine anymore (laughs) because that doesn't exist. So you have to evolve and kind of go where people are. So Talk to us a little bit. Yeah. Um, Talk to us a little bit about when you had to start thinking about shifting and when you started kind of branching out more into to different mediums. Well, I guess it kind of started with the traditional arts. Um, You know, traditional arts are often saying, you know, like the starving artist, um, you got to get into the museum. But then when social media comes, it's like now you don't have to be Um, just in a museum. You don't have to be uh, trapped in these walls. You can get your art everywhere uh, around the world um, super fast. And so I think that's the evolution of art, Um, taking traditional, making it more current and putting technology behind it. And so for me, um, for Snapchat, I have stuck with Snapchat. Um, 
yeah, for for a while. And I'm, you know, Snapchat is still my main medium, but using the app in a different way. Um, and I think, you know, I started with uh, just pictures and videos, but then that is not enough to keep capturing and engaging an audience. Now, augmented reality and having to tell your story and having them continue on your story by having them use your augmented reality experience. I think that's the next step into storytelling. So um, just getting more engagement that way. And I've kind of focused, um, well, I have focused specifically from shifting from videos and me just creating videos and art into more of augmented reality. And I think that's the biggest thing right now. And I think that's the newest thing right now is augmented reality. Snapchat is not the only one doing it. Uh, there is TikTok that had their own uh, augmented reality. There's also uh, Instagram and Facebook. They call that Spark AR. And then there's Snapchat. I do love Snapchat a little bit more. I'm, I'm a little biased because that is where I started. And I think that they have the, the step ahead on all the different technology because they do come up with a lot of augmented reality features far ahead from the others. But I am aware that there's this bigger ecosystem, and I think they all work together eventually. Yeah, it, well, what I've really liked is like the instructional AR stuff that you do, whether it was mm -hmm. the origami part, um, yeah. you know, or other ones, or you know, you can just kind of like mirror something and trace. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, th those things are super cool. Talk to me a little bit about how that gets made. That one. Well, I, I want to tell you a little bit about why I make these. I think AR, yes. um, a lot of people just think it's uh, this very gimmicky. It turns you into a dog or, you know, or what is it? The puking rainbow one. Um, mm -hmm. It's very gimmicky at first and it makes a splash. It makes an ex expression. But I think what AR and augmented reality is going is utility. And that's yes. what I'm trying to experiment in, making these augmented reality more purposeful in our life. Um, you mentioned that I did make the origami where you could take the Snapchat glasses or your phone and then you put it on top of a paper and then it tells you where to fold things. I've mm -hmm. also done uh, a drawing lesson where you tr put um, you put your phone or your camera on top of a paper and then you trace over it. So things like that. Um, I've also worked with brands on making augmented reality more um, more of a try-on for their products. Um, you can try yeah. on shoes in augmented reality, try on glasses, uh, makeup instructions are on augmented reality. And I know that, you know, I, I think the customers are more drawn into that because instead of going out to a store, which, you know, it, nothing's ever going to compare to the real thing, but it's this maybe it's like 50% of the actual experience and you get to experience it instantaneously. And I think that actually helps with selling the product in a, and that's oh, yeah. what I really like. Yeah. It's, um, it's utility, it's try ons. Uh, and I think that's the future of what augments reality will eventually be. It's not just the uh, puking rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or anything like on a tiktok live where it makes you do a bunch of things and you're like you're paying like a x amount of dollars to make somebody do something but <laughs> what i think is really interesting like i want to get back to the utility part in a second but when you were talking about you know kind of try on there's another like part of that where if you are a brick and mortar or mm -hmm. you know brick and mortar and online the idea that you can have somebody visualize 
what that might be, right? And we've seen Wayfair and you know, we've seen yeah. certain brands do that to a, to a small extent. I think it's getting a lot better and it's getting a lot um, a lot closer. But what that also does for a brand is it also allows them to reduce the amount of inventory they might have mm-hmm. in, in a storefront, which makes them more flexible. It, it honestly helps the, both the internal bottom line and just the the viability of the brand not it's so it's not just a marketing tool it's a, a tool that can actually help a lot of the um entire product life cycle and the finances of a, of a company so completely agree yeah <laughs> but but getting back to the utility part yeah i think that's the natural evolution of everything, right? I think that's the same. You could say the same thing for AI. I think mm-hmm. the last year we've kind of just messed around with trying to write an episode of Law and Order on ChatGPT or <laughs> you know do a do a photo in Midjourney. Like, um, you know, I had a friend who was like, "I've got a three day trial of DaVinci. I was like, "Oh no," because I know exactly what that means. I'm like, "I'm going to get a hundred photos." He's like, "I've got three days. What am I going to do with it?" I'm like, "Too much. You're doing too much." But <laughs> I think, you know, AI is even, there's, there's other uses for AI. I mean, I'm going to confuse at least 25% of this population on this podcast when I start saying AI and AR. They are vastly different things. Mm-hmm. But I think what we saw was just a tipping point in AI of just dabbling. And I think that's a lot of what we've seen also with AR, where it's, yeah, you know, Pokemon Go was a good example of, mm-hmm. you know, okay, fun, cute lasts for a little bit, but there is real utility, right? In the AR that teaches you how to play the piano or teaches you how to do something. If it can actually improve your skill set, that is 100% remarkable. And then if it can improve, you know, the bottom line of a company, that's even, that's even bigger. Where do you, where do you see the medium going? Where do you see the most ready-made opportunities in AR right now for, for brands or individuals? Shopping, definitely. I think yeah. the immediate future would be shopping. Uh, I think I, I saw a lot of that during the pandemic where people can't shop. And so I got a lot of brands asking me, hey, can we create a pop-out shop? They usually have a pop-out shop in in person, but they couldn't do it during the pandemic because everything was closed. And so I had to create a pop-out shop um, where you can actually tap on the little things, try on the different glasses, the shirt, uh, and they actually reach more people than they would have done the brick and mortar pop-up shop, <laughs> the yeah. physical one. And, and you know, like it's not always going to be the same experience, but in cases like the pandemic or in cases where uh, you want other people from other parts of the world that, world that can't visit that physical location to experience something different and remember your brand, I think uh, it's helpful to have both experience because we don't only live in the physical world anymore. A lot of people are living in the digital world and that's just how life is progressing. We're always on our phone, we're on our computer, as well as we know we're living out our lives and digital is here to stay. I don't think we're ever going to separate the two anymore. And AR brings both of those worlds together seamlessly. Yeah, and you can enhance experience too. Like if you're if you're for some reason watching a video clip of this and you can see my exercise bike behind me, like the idea that I could, you know, be inside because I live in Michigan and it's a gray hellscape for six months out of the year. But if I could have a more immersive experience where I feel like I'm actually riding outside, 
Okay. I mean, you know, like I'll get on a Peloton at a gym and I'll, I'll see this, like, they're like, we're taking you through this beautiful scenic thing. And I'm like, I still know that I'm in a Hyatt. Like <laughs> I am very well aware that I am in a Hyatt, but I'm also, I'm getting to watch this. But if this, this becomes a 180 view mm-hmm. and you take it and it starts feeling like I'm watching you two at the sphere, but I'm just riding my bike. I'm happy. You know, that, that part of that part of AR is there's still a bunch of different things that to me, that's what's really fascinating about AR is that I still think we're only in just scratching the surface of it. Um, but it, you know, again, especially as a utility, when, when you're coming up with ideas, do you let the brand kind of guide you or do you have ideas? And then you're like, this would be great for a brand. Well, since you did mention that we are just scratching the surface, most of the brands come to me and then they have mm-hmm. a, a, like a, just a slight idea, but then they come to me and say, okay, we have this campaign. Um, what can you do in AR? And so I kind of guide them. There are some brands yes. that have, you know, ideas already, but then, you know, we are the expert in the field. And so we kind of have to say, okay, so this is a great idea, but we can also expand it to, to something else, bigger, better. Um, and yeah, I think it's like a it's a collaboration for sure. That makes sense. It's like if somebody comes to me with with PR, like they have a story, I'm just there to tell it in a better way, in a in a more mm-hmm. efficient way. And you know, yes, you know, with your expertise, if even somebody comes with half an idea, you can figure out how to close it. Or have you ever had a moment where you're like, yeah, you can't do that. Like that's never gonna work. <laughs> Yeah, there there is some stuff like that. But then, like, is it, you know, can we make it work? It's like, is this one of those things where you, you tell them, it's like, okay, right now, technology might not be possible, but let's see if we can put a hack around it. But then you give them the, you know, idea B. It's like, okay, this is possible right now. This is what we can try to aim for. And I'm also, you yeah. know, in close connection with a lot of these different uh apps like Snapchat, TikTok, and, you know, those, and they do take in consideration what creators want. And so sometimes I can get away with, Mm -hmm. oh, this is not here yet, but then I have some contacts and maybe we can make this happen. And then there is a way around it. Um, But yeah, sometimes, you know, ideas can get crazy, but how, how do you move forward if you don't have all these crazy ideas being thrown your way? Absolutely. But I think, you are so spot on to have that direct line with the apps themselves because it obviously is beneficial for you to be able to know what they're doing and to know what to use, but it's also beneficial for them because then they get to understand, okay, why would a brand want to use this platform more? How could a brand use this platform more? What do they want to do it? So in in a way, you're an intermediary to, to make things possible um, for both sides, and that's really unique keep on pushing the limit just when they say no it's not possible <laughs> let's try it <laughs> no it's well, really see, exciting I'm, I'm glad though you know i i kind of uh, me and you know so uh, probably a bunch of other creators but we're, we're trying to pave that way and see where it goes and it's kind of it's really exciting yeah i think your journey has been um probably one of the more collaborative with apps than than most most creators there are a lot of creators that you know have a little bit of you know contact with 
you know, but not getting into directly, you know, creating, you know, what the product looks like, what the product feels like, what the product can do. I mean, that's a very, very unique space. It's the reason why I wanted to have the conversation because I think, you know, that, that part is rare. Um, but like you have an unlimited too toolkit. Is, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the other thing too, with a, with, with any creator and I can, I can hear it in a couple of your responses. It's just like challenge accepted, you know, you get, you get an idea and you're like, ah, that might not work, but you know, and I'm the, I'm the same way. Like I, I, I will definitely, I think there's a, there's a, a pause to set and say, here are, here are expectations. Here is what reality is. Here is what we think is possible. And then in your case, here's where we can augment it. So, uh, you know, and that part, that part is fascinating. But I think if you ask not 90% of creators will take on the challenge, even if they don't know if it's possible until they start going. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, <laughs> where is this going? Uh, but I'm glad that yeah, all these apps are very collaborative. And then again, I said that there was that unlimited toolkit. It seems like it's unlimited. There's there is some limit to it, but as a as a creator and we talked we touched on this a little bit about how you evolve right i mean at 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 the core of what you do it's still design it's still you have obviously done more they are but how are you it's you know it's it's a new year how are you Mm -hmm. looking to evolve this year and, and beyond and what are you keeping an eye on most Am I keeping an eye on most? I like the direction of util, um, utility use of AR. Um, I am mm-hmm. working uh, on a bigger scale AR. I know city scale AR has been a thing where you create a whole city and put a layer of augmented reality on top of it. Um, I'm working with a park and converting that park into an mm-hmm. AR experience. And so not only are you experiencing the park with all its glory and all its fun um, physically, but adding that layer that you could only see in that virtual world. So you're having two different worlds whenever you're going inside that park. And I like it that you're going beyond just your face, your room, um, and then you're taking it in a bigger scale and creating this new world where you have two different dimensions, the digital and the physical, and both are equally as fun wherever you go, whichever door you open. See, I love that. And also, I mean, building at scale. Yeah, I, it's like I, I'm almost thinking it's like okay, yes, you have to start with an isolated area like a park or a haunted house or something where you know the boundaries and you can kind of play within that. But I'm assuming that you're you're anticipating that the tech eventually follows and you can do this at city scale. Then, yeah, it's already there. I mean, the city scale is already there. It's just creating it bigger, more accurate, and and it. Right. Yeah, I mean, it could be shopping experience. It could be a park. It's just so many things that there's so many uses on it. But right now, a park experience is is fun. Navigation, like we've we've oh, navigation, I mean, like to, Google. <laughs> yeah, well, even back to the the you know slightly weird, slightly flawed, but kind of fun days of Google Glass. Like, um, there were there were interesting concepts being played around with, right? Um, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like. It has to replace, when you mention utility, right, it has to enhance or replace. Because when you look at the smartwatch, 
the smartwatch is kind of helpful, but it can't exist on its own in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. wearables are wearables are okay, right? Um, they have potential. But, you know, from a, from a navigation standpoint, we're still fine with just looking down on our phone and going, okay, mm-hmm. or having Bluetooth in and letting us tell us. But if that's combined with, we know your preferences based on your algorithm, of your algorithmic version of the internet, we know what you like to do. We see that you're walking through the city and, you know, the, the two things I thought about the most when you were talking about is basically, hey, Jeff, it's 1130. You're doom scrolling the Internet. We know you're going to buy something. I'm like, yes, I am. And then I'm going to forget about it. And six days later, it's going to appear at my house. But the other thing is, you know, I'm going to be walking around. They're like, hey, you know, you tend to eat food at this time. You tend to like to go to these kinds of restaurants. Here's a suggestion. There's one, you know, half a mile away. Now, that can be super intrusive. And there might be some some bad use of it too. Like I can I can see it going both ways, and it could be super spammy. But I mean, if there was something designed to enhance your experience and allow you to find things rather than you know you know a truly allow you to like get a layer or two deeper in a city mm-hmm. you've never been to, uh, based on your preferences, that is utility. That That's is... where you combine the AI with AR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I have seen a little bit, just a little bit of where it is, but it's not that it's not that in depth yet. Um, it's wherever you can talk to an AI person, but mm-hmm. then it's in augmented reality. And so if they can learn and then put visual that's an augmented reality to the AI technology, um, whatever you are uh, mentioning, that is going to. Yeah, it's going to be possible in maybe the next few years. Well, you combine it with a multitude of things, whether it's yeah. shopping or food or everything. Yeah. You know, if you have that knowledge available, like um, fortunately or unfortunately, because of how much I traveled, I can tell you that there are not one but two zombie themed restaurants in downtown Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, wow. Right? I didn't even... If you're, <laughs> I think I'm that's in... a very, it's a very niche is there really <laughs> there's um at, last time i was there i don't know if this is true now because i don't know about taco apocalypse but there was taco apocalypse and zombie burger about two blocks away from each other oh wow. yeah. where's this in iowa des moines heck yeah i need to go there <laughs> that'd be interesting like what would a, a zombie sandwich look like you know what if there's anything that i want to do in this podcast i want to sell you on going to des moines iowa <laughs> Okay, because at take no it? point, no point it, to tell you. Yeah, that what is what else is pod- in Iowa? Nothing is tons of things. There's Field oh, of Dreams. Um, it's oh, a, uh, Kait- Caitlin Clark. Um, oh. There's a lot of. Uh, it's actually uh, the most attended women's basketball game of all time was in Iowa. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Um, look, okay, mm- I'm going and then trying that <laughs> random, zombie restaurant. Random sit- zombie burger, definitely. Um, also, there's a shirt uh, store called Ray Gun that's super fun. Uh, I'm now just uh, basically lobbying to be the brand evangelist for the city of Des Moines, Iowa. I don't know why. Um, I had a good time. There. I but I but that's what I was doing for like three years. Like I was going to cities and writing about them, and so I had to like dig deeper and dig deeper. And then I just started thinking about like I'm getting dropped in this place, and that's when you were talking about AR. It just started making me think about. <laughs> Utility has to be a layer above what we already have. And mm-hmm. I already have something that gives me directions. I need something that gives me 
tailored recommendation. Mm-hmm. And if we get to tailored recommendation, so it's almost a tour guide of sort in, in the cityscape version. I love that so much more than, I mean, it's interesting. Like you go to a park and then you get, you know, some, some knowledge or some history. Yeah. I can see that too. And that's cool. And again, kind of fun, but you know, if it can, if you can basically, cause I think about it this way and I, I know I'm, I'm filibustering and I'm talking too much in my own podcast and that's the wrong thing to do. But what well, I think is all interesting. Really, I love it. Well, I, I, I like to try and like take people down a weird rabbit hole, but I think what could be really interesting is before we had GPS, you had to mm-hmm. use a map and it got so much more convenient when you had navigation because you were just able to be dropped in a city. And so if you're a tourist for four or five days, you're like, yeah, I probably know how to get around this city. You know, it might screw up once or twice. I, I, I took the wrong exit last week in Indianapolis, but um, for the most part, it works. And so you, you go in with the calm and relaxation of knowing you know how to get around a city no matter where you get dropped in if you know how to use it. Now, the same thing, you know, if you can be like, hey, you don't even need to plan a vacation. We'll just kind of figure it out for you. <laughs> now, there's that some utility. Be great. Yeah, I think AR, uh, you mentioned that what can AR do that kind of enhances what you've already have, what phones have and what the technology we have right now, they can do all that. But AR is more of, for me, it's more of a different way to view it. Um, you can have all yeah. that in your phone, and then you can also have that in the wearable, like glasses or through your camera. And so I don't know if it's taking away with the existing technology that can give you the recommendations or anything, but it's just giving you a different way to view it. And for some mm-hmm. people, it could be easier to overlay it on their eyes or overlay it yeah. with a camera. Um, it's kind of like Google Maps. Uh, they, have, they have the augmented reality part, but they also have the 2D map. And both yep. of them are useful and both of them are the exact same thing, just viewed in two different ways, whichever one makes it easier for the person using it. Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially in the physical world, if you're using AI, it can kind of come down to preference, right? I think yeah. there's been a lot of, you know, because really since iPhone 3, I think we've basically been the same-ish phone you know, we've, we've had a couple folds, which got us back to, you know, flip phones. And we've had yeah, a couple innovations. Yeah, going back. Yeah. But, I mean, well, everything's cyclical, right? You know, so it's like, I remember, uh, you know, like the Motorola Razor. And now we're basically back to that a little bit. But with the fold, but essentially the phone itself, really over a decade, hasn't changed much. The cameras are a lot better. Mm-hmm. The technology is a lot better. The things you can do on them a lot better. But the actual look, feel, and how we operate with our phone is still it's kind of the same. same thing. Yeah. So where, where the innovation, I don't see the innovation happening where the phone, you know, drastically looks different or it somehow becomes a snap band around your wrist mm-hmm. and is like a 360 thing. I just don't see that. I think the I think it's more plausible, easier, and more applicable that it comes with AR. That AR, you know, and additives that way, much like wearables where it makes things better and more convenient, doesn't replace the phone. I don't think, I don't think an AR experience ever fully replaces the phone, but I think it could definitely enhance 
um, and be a better utility. And in your case, like I like your example that it can just come down to user preference. Yeah, it's like a different screen. The screen is either through your eyes or through yeah. a two-dimensional screen. And let's be honest, we're just going to be distracted one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you can go to VR and then it completely blocks out the world and then you're just seeing the world completely. Or you're, in a, you're in a different world completely. <laughs> yeah, I... Um... Early days of VR, somebody was like, ooh, test this game. And I was like, cool. And I went right into a glass door. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, I was like, I was like, we're supposed to set the boundaries of the HTC. And I didn't, we, we didn't do that, did we? I'm like, nope. I'm oh, like, no. Great. That was taking you to was, another world completely, but you're still in the physical yes. world. And so I think, I, I think was like, this VR, is really immersive. Yeah. <laughs> VR is definitely just, I think it would be for just gaming. Um, and focused on gaming, but AR will be more used on utility. I think that's where it's going to be. And I don't think one is better than the other because we always need some kind of gaming and to get away from the real world. And then there's also uh, a use for staying in the real world and enhancing it, which is where AR is going. Well, I love the the the, the training, instruction, skill building part of AR too. I think that's a still underutilized mm -hmm. um, portion of it, right? You know, if, if there's any takeaway, like we talked about, like yes, you know, there are little fun things where you can you puke rainbows, but you know, if you can actually learn a skill ten times faster just by if you are a visual spatial learner, mm -hmm. this is incredible for you, right? If you're an auditory learner, no. But I, I have to see something. I have to visualize it to actually mm -hmm. do it. So, you know, if, you know, I have something like that, I can probably learn a lot more things. Or, you know, it's still going to make me only 45% efficient in Spanish. That's never going to yeah. change. I'm still going to be, I'm still going to be functional enough to get around town and probably not make sense half the time. I have done some exploration on where AR can be useful in schools. Uh, one of the things that yeah. I've explored with is getting a textbook and enhancing that. If you see a picture of a frog on the textbook, what if you can take your phone in AR and then see the actual frog be able to dissect it in AR? And also, I was also thinking that some of the schools aren't equipped with all these things, but with AR um, and maybe just a textbook, they are equipped with unlimited amount of resources that's in augmented reality, but they don't have to purchase for each student. They only have to purchase that one thing, which is like an iPad or, or some kind of wearable device that can teach them the lesson. I love that. I mean, so you're getting around budgetary constraints. You're getting around um, the idea of actually having to find a bunch of frogs. So, I love, <laughs> yeah. look, don't I kill watch, any more frogs. I, Right. I, look, I watch Bravo. I love mess, but not frog mess. I don't want frog mess everywhere. There's diff different kinds. Um, is there any any place that you think about like that's untapped right now that in the next three to five years, the technology will get there, that it is possible and it's super exciting? Education and AR, I think it's underutilized in yeah. that area. As schools, I think they can really use AR in a different way. 
Um, and if we experiment maybe in just one school and it's like, what are your needs and how can we solve that yeah. uh, with the technology? And these technologies are reusable. You can, it's not just bound to one school. Once that thing is created, uh, you know, you don't have to go make it again and then you can just serve it to another school. And it's an unlimited resource that you only have to budget once. And I know that's, you know, with schools, the budgets are tight, mm -hmm. um, but the education shouldn't be, be limited to the budget. And I think AR is going to help with that eventually. And that's an untapped thing. And I wish that within oh, the yeah. next few years that eventually will catch on. I don't know who's going to start what? it. <laughs> I, well, I'll try. We're, 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 yes, that's the answer. Also, we're speaking it into the universe right now. But mm -hmm. well, I love that idea because also it's updatable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think there's a lot of things, especially science and history, where things update. I just remember being a, uh, a you know, a child in high school in the early 2000s. And um, Pluto was still a planet. For... Pardon? <laughs> I said when Pluto was still a planet. Yeah, Pluto was still a planet. Like different countries in different countries. Our social <laughs> studies book was probably from the early '90s, so I think we might have even had Yugoslavia in there at the time. <laughs> so, like, I'm like, no, 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 no. So, like, I mean, you know, math doesn't change as much, but there's all, there are a lot of things that need to be updatable. I mean, I remember. I remember when I got my college textbooks, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll hang on to these. And then quickly realized I'm like, no, not like my marketing textbook is a case study about how Krispy Kreme should have 35,000 locations. So I was like, <laughs> they already do. The demand is not there. This is not the next Starbucks. <laughs> like it is a wonderful place. By the way, I, I do go to Krispy Kreme. I'm just saying it's, it's not on that level. It, and it didn't need 000. to be to scale. Yeah, there was this marketing case like, oh, people love coffee and donuts. I'm like, yeah, no, they do. But like, we're trending more towards, you know, health conscious things and drive throughs. Mm -hmm. There's a variety of factors. But like 20 years ago, like they were that that was the conversation was around like, oh, these things can, you know, it, it was the idea behind the third place that Starbucks created a third place for you to go. And now in a post pandemic world, you know where the third place is still my house. Yeah, it's just a different part of my house. That's the third place. The third place is my <laughs> attic. Um, yeah, that th there's so many factors that uh, that evolve and adapt. And so if if the textbook itself can constantly evolve and adapt, and and mm -hmm. also more importantly to your point, if it can adapt to the learning style of the individual, then kids don't fall behind. Because yeah. I think the standardization of testing and the standardization of learning styles just forces some kids to fall behind. And so if we can, you know, meet kids where they are and give them the best tools possible, then then we hopefully slightly level the playing field with acknowledgement that the playing field is never fully level. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a that's a much deeper issue. Um, Serene. So I do a thing at the end of every podcast. It's called Keep It Short. There are three questions. Okay. The questions are short. Your answers can be as ever long as you would like them to be. Um, question number one. Brand activation you got the most excited about before it launched? Disney. I'm a Disney fan. And that brand activation, who doesn't get excited about Disney? <laughs> Which, For by the way... For everybody oh. listening, tell them, tell them a little bit about it. But yes, who doesn't? 
Disney was actually the first, one of the first brands that got me, uh, one of the first brands that I worked with on Snapchat. I'm trying to remember what it is. They invited me to the park. I've actually never been to Disneyland before that. Um, That was my dream. When I came to America, I was like, we're going to Disneyland and Disney World. Uh, But that never happened until I was able to work with Disney. And they flew my family, my mom and my sister and I to Disneyland. And I just got to go around the park, have fun, draw on top, draw Disney characters on it. And then Mm. ever since, I've been to Disney World and Disneyland so many times. I think the the past couple of years, I've Sometimes I go to Disney World and Disneyland maybe two to three times a year. And now I got into Disney cruising. Uh, mm. And before I thought cruises were like really boring. But if you ever go on a Disney cruise, there's not even time to, you know, eat or anything because there's so <laughs> many things to do. There's fireworks, there's shows. And then even their, sh- uh, their dining experience has shows in it. And I'm just like, wow, cruises aren't boring. So, yeah, I'm definitely a big Disney fan. And uh, working with Disney has been and is a dream. Yeah. So you were a fan before, but that just enhanced your fan experience because you got to be that involved. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. I Back to my point of like things that can enhance experiences. Uh, I will happily collaborate on the AR that's like, here's where you go eat. Here's where you stay hydrated. Get yourself <laughs> through this cruise. Here's how you survive the cruise. Hey, <laughs> like, that would be a good idea. Yeah. Just, just, um... a, just a reminder. Hey, just a slight reminder. If you turn left, there's food and you're not going to be near food for three hours. So do it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. There you go. There's a new app idea that we need to propose. <laughs> Just an app inside of an app, you know, I mean, yeah. just, you know, it's just like, but again, utility. Um, this this you might have already answered this, but the question too was mm-hmm. going to be um, it was going to be the kind of like the moment where you like knew you're like you're on the right path. But it, I think I'd rather ask it this way. Question two: the moment you felt completely comfortable in your career, completely comfortable. I don't think Ooh. I'm ever comfortable in my career, and I think the moment that answer. I get comfortable. It's the moment that it's probably done <laughs> because um, I think comfort equals boring. And that means you mm-hmm. stop innovating. You stop being on your, you know, like living on the edge. I like it whenever you're, some people, whenever you're taking on freelance and creating your own business, people are scared because you never know yeah. what when the next project is going to be. You never know what next year is going to be. There's not that stability like working with uh, a company. And I think that's great because it forces you to innovate. It forces you to keep uh, improving yourself and being out there, uh, staying on, staying just well informed of what everything is happening. And yeah, you can get comfortable, but I just don't think that's exciting. It's, it's boring if you do that. And and that's what career is, is constantly improving. And the moment you stop constantly improving, I think your career stops there. Uh, it, that, that's been my answer for a long time is somebody was like, when do you retire? I'm like, um, <laughs> when I'm you know, done feeling uncomfortable. But, yeah. I think you de- but you delineate between, and there's this line between confidence and comfort, right? You are confident in what you do. 
you know what you're doing, but we, you have this discomfort in, you know, you don't know where the landscape's going. You're not, you're not standing <laughs> in one place, just letting things happen. I, I very much can feel that empathize with that, understand that I do the same thing. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, what if uh, one day people wake up and they don't want uh, to be in the press anymore? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We don't have press. Um, like, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, those, those things evolve. And so, mm -hmm. yes, I, uh, I wholly agree with, um, being a confident person in your abilities, but very much having discomfort in not wanting to let things just be as they are. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a weird, healthy thing that only entrepreneurs understand. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. You <laughs> always want to be on your toes. You never want, you never want to rest, but. It, it is scary, but, but then you also oh, yeah. look, you also look back. It's like, what am I? I am an artist and I can take that skill on whatever's new and next. Let's just say all social media disappear tomorrow. What can I do with my art that's going to be needed in this world? And I think art will always be there. We always want to see nice things in the world. Um, it's the way that we communicate. And as long as I know what my purpose is in life, which is art, I can translate that to whatever medium or, or thing that comes next. Yeah, because you're not even tapping into all four of those majors right now. You're just focused <laughs> yeah. on a couple of them. You, you still got, you, you got, you got tricks in that bag. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's waiting there to be utilized. <laughs> Whatever. Um, question three and last one. Mm -hmm. Um, 10 years from now, where do you want to be? 10 years from now. Well, if aliens don't come over and take over the world, what do I want to be? I could be on Mars. <laughs> uh, 10 years from now. Uh, 10 years from now, I wish that I would uh, travel more. I know I've been traveling a lot uh, lately, but you can never have enough traveling. And I want to take my augmented reality and see where it takes me all over the world. Maybe there is some, some kind of utility that helps people travel and, like you mm. said, make recommendation and do something that I love, um, which is I love traveling, and take my passion in art and really incorporate that into my lifestyle. That way, um, you know, I, wanna, I, want, I like working. But I also like living my life. And I want to see where that takes me, where I combine both of the things that I, I love in life and just have them work seamlessly. Absolutely. I mean, that's, by the way, I was thinking about that too. I was thinking there's a difference between work travel and personal travel. I'm like, <laughs> people will tell you all the time. They're like, oh, that's so cool. You got to go to there. I was like, I was in the conference room for two days. I actually <laughs> yeah. didn't go outside once. I'm like, I think I was allowed to go outside, but I just chose not to. I just, they're like, yeah, how was Vegas? I was like, the Venetian's <laughs> you're great. You're so tired. <laughs> Yeah, you just get you're tired, you're jet lag, or you know you're you're going nonstop at a conference, and you're like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. But personal travel, you've got a lot more time to. There's just a big difference, and I I, I think it's you know if you've if you've done both, you know. Um, but yeah, I I I want more personal travel for you. I think that sounds amazing, you know, and just being having the flexibility and the time to just mm -hmm. take intentional time to be present. Um, 
I think is kind yeah. of an amazing thing. And also an ironic thing to talk about when we're having a t conversation about augmented reality. But I think augmented reality does not distract. It actually can make you more present in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't take you away from the phone. If the, Well, it, it depends. It's like if you're looking on your phone, but if there is that wearable that you put on your glasses, it could make you be more in the moment. And yeah. um, going back to answering your question, yeah, I kind of want to carve that path where career and living the life is just so like mended together that um, I don't feel like I need oh. to just be in a you know be in that conference but like have fun being in that conference to pick and choose which conference that i'm in to talk that i actually enjoy and it feels like a vacation um, that's the goal if you don't have to sacrifice one for the other right yeah let's do both serene the whole life is just fun <laughs> um long overdue thank you so much for joining um absolute pleasure really appreciate you and thank you for having me on this podcast. This was a lot of fun. It made me think about a lot of different things that I haven't thought about before. Yes. And I really <laughs> suck at AR. So that's, that's a high price. Siren <laughs> <laughs> Q in the industry for 10 years. She hasn't changed. She adapts. She gets better. She improves. But the spirit the willingness to have the conversation, the willingness to be creative, the energy, it's all the same. And I think that's what's awesome about anyone who works in creativity is that they're constantly curious. And that's the greatest skill that Center Q possesses and why it's no fluke. That's the name of this podcast. It's hosted by me, Jeff Barrett. Produced by Jimmy and Soon, cover an episode art by Chelsea Cezano, research and editing by Vinci Shooter Beatty. If you like the show, please leave a five-star review, share, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any feedback or guest recommendations or an idea for Saturday Q, send an email to infoshortywords.com or DM Shorty Words on Instagram. I'll see you next week.